1: a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, hello, everybody. Hope you are doing well. A little earlier than usual today at 4 o'clock Pacific, Listen, I did a rant on this today, and I am not a soccer fan, okay? I have tried to really get into the sport. I don't really, doesn't do much for me, okay? Uh, I've been to several Republic games, and I enjoy going out there, and I enjoy watching, and I have a good time. But in terms of, like, the game itself, it just, it, it doesn't do much for me. You know, I appreciate sport. Uh, but I've never really gotten into it. But what happened last night in Sacramento with the Sacramento Republic is uh, pretty amazing that they are now the first non-MLS team to go to the finals of the U.S. Open Cup since 2008. And I said this in my rant today. I don't know anything about the U.S. Open Cup. All right. I don't know how it works. I don't understand. You know, I wouldn't know the difference, as I said, between the U.S. Open Cup and a tea cup. Uh, But what I do understand is the significance of what happened last night. And I said this very often on my show in Sacramento. I used to say that Sacramento is a crazy Sacramento soccer base. It's just, it's unbelievable. And I used to get in conversations with the owner of the Republic, Kevin Nagel. And I had Kevin on my show a couple of times and, I said to Kevin, I go, you're planning to build the MLS stadium as a capacity of about 22,000. Like, why do you have 22,000 for? I mean, you could easily fit 30 for every match if you get an MLS team. And he talked about, well, you know, you can easily expand the stadium, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, last night to me is just another example of the craziness, the, the, just the, the loyalty of the sacramento soccer fan that was incredible last night and so congratulations to the republic uh congratulations to the fans uh but you're not going to congratulate kevin burkle that's the one thing you're not going to do or excuse me ron burkle ron burkle is the man that left sacramento standing at the altar ron burkle the owner of the pittsburgh penguins who committed and had said i'm your whale i'm all in Was downtown Sacramento when they unveiled that Sacramento had been awarded one of the expansion franchises. Was downtown for the big press conference with Don Garber, the commissioner of the MLS. Governor Gavin Newsom was there. Kevin Nagel and his group was there. Uh, Kevin Nagel, of course, the owner of the Republic. And Ron Burkle was there. Now Ron didn't say anything. He was the only one that didn't. And Ron's not comfortable in those type of settings, and that's fine, but he just let the whole city of Sacramento down. I'm just wondering, you know, how that happens, but I'm really hoping last night that there were other quote unquote whales, either in attendance or watching, and just saying, you know what? That's something that I wanna be a part of. This is a golden opportunity. And I'm willing to put my money in and invest in the fans of Sacramento and the city of Sacramento. We'll see. We'll see. But I know this, okay. The fans of Sacramento, the soccer fans, I, and I said this on the air and you got to remember, I don't know anything about soccer. I said, if the MLS comes to Sacramento, it will be one of the best success stories in the history of the league. That much I do know. That much I do know. So I wanted to start off and talk about that because I just thought that was uh, pretty amazing uh, what happened last night. All right, so you have Kyler Murray, right? Who has an addendum in his contract. He spoke for the first time and he talked about, it is disrespectful to think that he does not prepare for games nobody that i know of was talking about he doesn't prepare for games all right he obviously prepares for games but the arizona cardinals felt that he could do more and if they didn't they wouldn't put in an addendum okay he said quote i'm talking about murray it's almost a joke he said i'm flattered that you all think that at my size i can go out there and not prepare for the game, and not take it serious. I can't afford to take any shortcuts, no pun intended. Those are things you can't accomplish if you don't prepare the right way, all right? He said, it's laughable. Of course I watch film by myself. That's a given. That doesn't even need to be said but I do enjoy and love the process of watching the game with the guys, the quarterbacks, my coaches. He said, I refuse to let my work ethic, my preparing to be in question. I've put it in. All right. He says, I've put in an, uh, an incredible amount of time and blood, sweat, tears, and work into what I do, whether it's football or baseball, people can't comprehend the amount of time that it takes to do two sports at a high level in college let alone be the first person to do it ever at my size. It's funny. But to those of you out there that believe that I'd be standing here today in front of you all without having a work ethic ethic, and without preparing, I'm honored that you think that. But it doesn't exist. It's not possible. It's not possible. Again, I don't think anybody thought that. He has a bad work ethic. I don't think anyone thought that he's not prepared. But the Arizona Cardinals obviously felt that he could be doing more or doing it differently because if they didn't, they would not have put in an addendum. Now, here's the question that was not answered. Well, then why is it that your contract has an addendum in it for four hours a week of independent study, right? Why, why is that? Okay. How about that? Maybe that would be the thing that he should have asked, answered. Why was there an addendum put in your contract requiring four hours of independent study? Explain that to me, would you please? Explain that to me. All right. Still waiting on what's going to happen with Charles Barkley to make it official on what the hell he's going to do. All right. And he's waiting on an offer, unless it's happened in the last bit and I missed it. But as of a couple of hours ago, he was still waiting on an offer from Greg Norman. And then it'll be interesting to see what TNT does. If they let him do both. To me, Charles is TNT. I think Ernie Johnson is the best studio, one of the best studio hosts to ever live. And I mean that. I think the guy is just beyond incredible. He's an incredible human being, too. But he's great at what he does. Shaq is Shaq, Kenny Smith. I mean, those guys are good. Don't get me wrong, but they're not Charles. They're not Charles. All right. So we'll see what happens with Charles Barkley. All right. You know the routine. If you want to get on, uh, raise your hand uh, and we will do it. Tomorrow, uh, we'll be back at 5 o'clock. And then starting next week, uh, I'm going to switch back to 3 o'clock for a while uh, to give others that can't listen live at 4 or 5 an opportunity uh, to listen live. So starting on Monday, uh, the shows will begin uh, at 3 o'clock. So I want to hear from you today. Love to hear from you. Hit your hand icon, raise your hand, uh, and we will be happy to do it. All right, let's get the show rolling. And uh, we check in today with Jeff. Hey, Jeff, what's up?
4: Hey, Grant, how's it going today?
1: Good, Jeff. How are you, buddy?
4: Not bad, not bad. I just had a couple of things. Oh, uh, yeah, was, uh, I, I caught that. Old Carmichael Dave made a post about, I guess he was at the game and he, he filmed it from the when the guy made the goal. And, uh, those I, I was surprised to see how many fans were there and the people just went berserk, you know. So I mean it just goes a testament to show
1: you why were you surprised to see how many fans were there? Why were you surprised they, they fill up that place on well, most nights for games?
4: Well, I, I haven't been following it that much to be honest with you. I
1: mean, oh okay. I'm with
4: you on the soccer, I mean all my kids play my daughter holds the Marysville High School record for seven well, goals seven goals in one game against Golden Sierra.
1: Uh, you well, know, that's impressive.
4: Almost like you in lacrosse. I mean, she was a striker, my daughter Nikki. But, uh, you know, uh-huh. I, I never I, – I coached baseball, but I could never get into soccer. You know, I took them. I supported them, you know, but they were like three – they played all sports, basketball, baseball, and soccer. And I just followed mostly their base, their softball, you know, because that, that's what I was into. I just never could get into soccer.
1: Well, hot sport. Uh, the fan base is immense, and as I said, if the MLS would ever come to Sacramento, I really believe that they could get thirty thousand for a match. Uh, and because Kevin Nagle was going to build the state-of-the-art stadium in the Rail Yards, there's still plans to build a smaller-scale stadium now. But the MLS, you know, and again, I understand the MLS needs to have the Financial backing. And when I mean financial backing, I know this for a fact. Kevin Nagel has put in millions and millions and millions of dollars of his own money. Hey, he has invested his own money. And I'm not talking about just buying the team and everything. I'm talking about in running the team and trying to get the MLS to Sacramento. He put in millions of dollars of his own money. All right. And Kevin, and, and Kevin Nagel was left standing naked okay, oh. at the altar by Ron Burkle at the very last minute. That I do know is factual. And Kevin is trying to find another, you know, heavy, heavy duty hitter because the MLS keeps on raising their expansion fees. When this process started, I believe it was 75 million. You know, it's now up to quite it's now up to quite a bit, Jeff. It's up to quite a bit. Uh, It's 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 it keeps on going up. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens.
4: He sounds like the Greg Luka bill of soccer. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, you know what? I wouldn't go that far. Kevin Nagel is is got deep pockets. Um Kevin Nagel is a I I wouldn't say that. A Greg Luken Here's what I would say. Okay? Here here's where I would compare Greg Lucanville and Kevin Nagel. I would compare their love for the community of Sacramento. Yeah, I would I'm, say I Right. Okay. Well, I would compare Kevin Nagel is all about Sacramento. Kevin Nagel is like Greg Lucanville that way. Uh, they are all about doing what's best for Sacramento. And I would say this, and I can I can say this because I know both of the men. They always put themselves behind what's the best interest for Sacramento. Right. Greg Lucanville never put himself first when it came to doing what's right for Sacramento. And Kevin Nagel's the same way. So for that, I both uh, respect the hell out of them yeah. for what they – what they do and what they have done for Sacramento.
4: Ron Edie can learn a lesson there, huh?
1: Oh boy! Oh boy! Could he ever?
4: <laughs> oh! Could <cool>. he ever? <laughs> could, could he ever? Well, that just goes to show you how Sacramento just starved, starved for a winner. I mean, look what they did with the Kings and everything else when they were, you know, competitive. I mean, it's got such a huge fan base, and I mean, they yep. can draw from Placerville, Lodi. Up to here to Chico, Yuba City, down to Davis. I mean, it's got a pretty good woodland. They got a good,
1: you yep. know,
4: you know, place to draw people from.
1: Yep. And by the way, one other uh, note on Greg Lukenbill. When I lost my jobs on June second, twenty twenty, he was one of the first people to call me, and uh, he talked to me. He talked to me for quite a while, and uh, uh, he follows up from time to time with calls. I've had him on my podcast. Uh, he was great. But um, you know, there's a class act to give me that's a call. Cla- that's you know,
4: classy. Well, that's classy.
1: You know, I I I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. Uh the Maloofs also called me. No,
4: you, you know? never did. Holy yep. cow. That surprises
1: yep. me. Yep. Yep. Uh both Gavin Maloof and George Maloof. Wow. And, and Gavin called Gavin reached out to me fairly quickly. George reached out to me. Actually, it was a couple of months later had mm-hmm. reached out to me with a really nice message and has since followed up on that. So I thought that was pretty classy as well.
4: That's, that's, that shows no animosity, you know, that shows that's good. You know, Hey, so, uh, so a couple more things that you were talking about interns yesterday. I mean, I know Carmichael Dave started off by calling your show and all that. Did he yep. intern? Did he intern for you?
1: No, he didn't intern for me. Uh, he came in and did sports updates for his first time ever officially on the air. But, no, he did not do an internship with me.
4: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, if it wasn't for your show, he never would have got started. So, anyways. Well, last, he would have figured last... out
1: a way. He, he, he would have figured out a way. I, I Trust me. You, it, it, my show helped him. I think he would even admit that. You know, the platform to call into a local sports show, but he, he would have figured out a way. He, he he would have done it.
4: Oh, my daughter just texted me while I was talking to you because I wanted to be sure on the, the team and the goals, and she had to set the record straight. She said it was eight goals. <laughs> I
1: thought it was seven. See, didn't go to the there you game. go, you shortchanged sure her. You shortchanged sure the one, shame on I'm you, gonna, Dad. Shame gonna on gonna you, Dad.
4: I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, no free golf for me at Canyon Oaks and Chico. No. Anyway, no, you know what? What? About, the, what, <laughs> what about the 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 pain in the butt? Draymond Green wants the max extension. I mean, yeah, Draymond has. Good, uh,
1: so he- Draymond is on such a power trip uh, that it's actually he's going to he he's going to burst his bubble that he's living in right now. That's what Draymond Green is doing. Draymond is uh, well, he- has such a such of an entitlement and power. It's ridiculous.
4: He's under contract for two more years, almost fifty million to be paid in two yeah. years. He wants extension till he's thirty-seven years old with his injury-prone. I mean, and the team won't. I mean, uh, I don't see it, and I don't think they're going to do it.
1: Well, you know, he needs that extra money because of all the fines and suspensions that he gets throughout his career. So he needs that extra money. <laughs> all right, Delta Jeff. You Delta have a good Delta. evening. <laughs> all right. You take care, buddy. See you, buddy.
4: You're you're funny as hell. <laughs>
1: All right. Take care. Unbelievable. All right. Let's get to uh, some more phone calls here on Listen Up. And we are going to now go to uh, E-Train. What's up, E-Train?
2: Yeah. Hey, Grant. On a uh, another Sacramento note, I heard that uh, Vivek was in talks to by the Rivercats. And I was just curious what impact do you think that will have on the baseball team?
1: Um, it won't really have any impact. It's minor league baseball. So I didn't know I didn't hear that news, but um, it wouldn't have any impact. I mean, I think that you know, I think it's really sad what's happened to the Rivercats and understand that I say sad and I haven't been in Sacramento enough over the last two years. But when the Rivercats first came to Sacramento and they built Raley Field, uh, it was the best success story in all the AAA baseball. They had great success. Um, and it seems the interest has dwindled the last several years when it comes to the Rivercats and minor league baseball. I'm just basing that when I look at the highlights on the news and see things of that nature and not a lot of people out there. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but that's, that's what I've seen over the last couple of years.
2: Well, it's still a great place to take the family out there, and it's certainly more cost-effective than going to a Kings game. And I don't think many people want to go to the Kings, anyways. But uh, I just thought that was interesting. That I guess the article said the Kings ownership group is looking to um, um, buy the River Cats, and the family that owns them now wants to get out of it.
1: Well, again, it is a great place to take your family. It's a great place to hang out. I used to take my kids to the River Cats games on a fairly regular basis, and A lot of times we would sit in the outfield out on the grass back there on the berm. And it was great. Loved it. Um, I don't, I'm not saying anything bad about the river cats. I think it's been tremendous for Sacramento. It's a beautiful uh, minor league ballpark. They did a great job with it. Uh, There's really no negatives to it. All I'm saying is it seems to me that the interest has waned quite a bit over the last couple of years. That's all I'm saying.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks Grant. Have a good afternoon.
1: All right. You too. Uh, Take care. Uh, I, I didn't hear that news about the Kings ownership group wanting to buy the River Cats, so we'll see. I, I didn't know anything about that. All right, if you want to get in on the program, uh, raise your hand, and uh, we will put you on. You know, I I don't really know what the plans would be for the River Cats, and I, I don't know what the long term plans are. I really don't, but I do know that the It's great to have AAA baseball in the area. And it was such a shame, excuse me, that the city of Sacramento, for years and years and years, could not figure out how to make it happen. I used to rip them repeatedly on the radio for being inept as a city government that they had to let West Sacramento do it. Okay. West Sacramento was the one that figured it out. West Sacramento was the municipality that figured out where to put the stadium, how to build the stadium. And it became really the best success story in the history of AAA baseball. Sacramento couldn't figure it out. And their stubborn, ridiculous governing of the city, they couldn't figure it out. Right? They couldn't figure it out. But West Sacramento figured it out. And they got a beautiful ballpark there. And that's that was Sacramento for you. Stubborn, not able to do things, not able to get things done. And so good for the Rivercats. Over the over their tenure in West Sacramento, by and large, they've been a tremendous franchise uh for minor league baseball. And it is a great place to take your family. I would agree with that. And obviously it's affordable. I mean There's no such thing as minor league baseball that's not quote unquote affordable to go to. I mean, it's minor league baseball, you know? It's minor league baseball. Me personally, and again, this is just me personally, I I think minor league baseball is probably more boring than watching paint peel off the wall. Uh, I used to go just to take the boys, and you're outside, and, you know, they had stuff to do, but the game itself, I don't know I don't know if there's anything more boring than sitting in a ballpark watching minor league baseball. Now I have a buddy who is the guy that is Iron Eagles right hand man in the booth when it comes to football and basketball. All right. He is his spotter, his statistician, and this guy does network events all the time. That's all he does. And he spends part of his summer, every summer going to a different minor league ballpark because he loves it that much. As a matter of fact, three years ago, he lives in Hartford, Connecticut. He flew out to Sacramento on a red eye, okay? Checked in at the hotel, checked in at the embassy suites, right? On the other side of the tower Bridge. I picked him up, we went out to eat, we hung out, then we went to the ballgame. And he was telling me how much he loved being in Sacramento, loved the ballpark, loved everything about it, and he talked about how much he loved going to minor league baseball games. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, dude? What's wrong with you? There's got to be something wrong with you that you love to spend time going to minor league baseball games, but that's what he loved doing. So there are those out there that enjoy it. Me personally, I can't think of anything more boring than watching a minor league baseball game. But I did go anyway, and I still had a good time. Don't get me wrong, but I really wasn't paying attention and watching a game that much. Now, I would also say that when I was starting my TV career, working part-time for five bucks an hour in beautiful Toledo, Ohio, I covered the Toledo Mud Hens on a regular basis. My job was to go out and shoot video of the game, And that's where I learned how to shoot baseball with one camera from behind the backstop. Kirby Puckett, Gary Gaetti, Tim Tuffle, that entire team of the Mudheads went on to win the World Series. Ken Herbeck went on to win the World Series with the Minnesota Twins. So watching Kirby Puckett in AAA baseball, that was pretty cool, I must admit. That was pretty cool. Daryl Strawberry was coming in on the Tidewater Tides. And so, you know, I saw some pretty big-time talent before they became – Real superstars. That was pretty neat. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls here on Listen app, and we say hello to Ryan. Hey, Ryan, how are you today?
2: Doing good, Grant. Good afternoon. Thanks for uh, moving up the show. I have a uh, Taekwondo graduation for my son, so this worked out perfectly. Wow.
1: Good. I'm happy to accommodate you. And uh, no game shows today for me, right? We're just uh, going to be well, normal I'm not today.
2: Sure. Well, we'll oh, okay. have to see. Right. Maybe there might be one or two. Uh, okay.
1: All
2: right. <laughs> hey, what the hell is a mud hen? <laughs> I have no idea what a mud hen aspect. is. Yeah. Now, you
1: know what? That's what their nickname was, the Toledo Mud Hens. So I guess it's a hen that's muddy. I have no idea what the hell a mud hen is. I can't even remember. But I used to go to that ballpark on a fairly regular basis. And again, that team that the Toledo Mud Hens had went on and won the World Series a couple of years later as the Minnesota Twins. You know, that was true. Every Almost every player that was on the Twins that won the World Series played in Toledo. It's pretty neat.
2: So what was it like seeing those guys at their, you know, growing stage? I mean, you're, if you're well, in you, AAA ball, you're not
1: growing. He, he, but, go ahead. You knew Kirby Puckett was going to be a star. I mean, there was no doubt about it. I mean, he was the star of uh, AAA back then. You knew that you were watching somebody that was going to be great. You also had heard the same thing about Daryl Strawberry. And when Strawberry came in, you know, with the Tidewater Tides, you knew that you were going to be watching somebody that was going to be on the big stage and was going to be great. So I do remember that. Um, you realized at the time, and again, I I had never I, I was a fan of the Yankees, and they always used to have a great Triple A team in Columbus. They were called the Columbus Clippers, and so you they they were always good. They used to win every year. But when you were watching Kirby Puckett, you knew that you were going to be watching somebody that was going to end up being a star. Uh, in Major League Baseball. That much I do remember.
2: That's great. I mean, yeah, you you see the it for sure, especially if you're a sports fan. You've been a sports fan all your life. Um, I wanted to touch on Sacramento because we're talking about, you know, possibly MLS. We're talking about baseball. Let's be real. Sacramento, the fans here, would support a underwater basket weaving team. And support them <laughs> to the fullest. No, they really would, Grant. And so I, I look at Rayleigh Field and the River Cats. It is a good atmosphere. I mean, it, do you think Sacramento is a better town for baseball or soccer?
1: Soccer. I think uh, baseball as a sport is in trouble. Baseball always used to be, excuse me, Sacramento used to be a phenomenal baseball town. I think it's not as it was, but I mean, think about all of the phenomenal talent that Sacramento was put out into the big leagues, and they're too numerous to name, but from Dusty Bakers, to the Greg Vaughns, to Larry Boa, I mean, you know, w- we can go on and on, alright? Um, there's been incredible talent that has gone, Fernando Vina, again, I the problem, the part of the problem that I'm going to leave people out, all right? But there's been amazing talent from Sacramento that have gone on to have tremendous uh, careers in the sport. It used to be when I moved to Sacramento, it was a baseball town, and it was baseball, 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 baseball. And I think that's one of the reasons why when the Rivercats began play, whenever that was, but it was a long time ago, as a the farm system of the A's, they sold out pretty much every night. And it was the talk. Of AAA baseball, it was that big of a success story. I just think it's the interest. I think the sport itself is in trouble. I think the whole sport is in trouble. But do I think now, today, in 2022, it's more of a baseball town or a soccer town? My opinion: you'd probably get more fans for a soccer match.
2: But is is that more excitement because they've had better success at this point? I think.
1: I think that the country is continuing to transition more from out of baseball into soccer. I think you see it with Little League Baseball. I think you see more and more kids playing soccer now than Little League Baseball. I don't have any data to back this up. I'm just giving you what I see when I right. drive around. When I go through Sacramento, I see kids playing soccer all the time. Okay. Um, I understand that we live in a state of California, which has uh, a large Hispanic community. Uh, We know how popular soccer is in the Hispanic community and in Mexico. I think that's part of it. Uh, I just think Sacramento is becoming a hotbed for soccer. I'll just put it that way. That's where I see it going. And I personally feel that if you had the MLS come to Sacramento I believe it would be one of the great success stories of the sport. I really believe that.
2: So no, soccer is huge. I mean, I was I was at Hughes Stadium the first time. Um, you know, they had their first game here in. There was Sacramento. like twenty-two
1: thousand people, right?
2: Yeah, it was it was pretty much right. full, and it was shocking. I was and there it, too. It, I yeah, was there too. It, it, it speaks to the support of Sacramento, but the asking price from MLS just to enter the league
0: and get a team
2: let, let's let say you grant are a multi-billionaire is that an investment that you are making
1: to well, build a I stadium always, okay. yeah well they, they don't have to build the stadium all right but the here, here's the part that i have never understood about what you just phrased multi-billionaire i understand that well i think i understand but the the the, the, the people the individuals that acquire that kind of wealth don't acquire it because they're stupid and they make bad business decisions, right? They really sure. don't. They acquire, they for the vast majority, some of them get lucky, but the vast majority acquire that wealth because they're incredible businessmen and businesswomen, okay? So let's put that out there. But under your, your premise, let's just say that it takes 200 to 250 million dollars and i'm throwing an arbitrary number out at you to bring the mls to sacramento as one of the whales okay if you're a multi-billionaire would you even feel the impact of 200 and 250 million dollars coming out of your portfolio
2: grant i uh Hopefully, my wife is not listening to this, but I once dated somebody um, whose grandpa was a huge developer for Stockton. He basically developed all of Stockton. Uh, Okay. Owned multi, you know, resident complexes, yada, yada, yada. Anyways, we were playing poker one night and I lost 20 bucks and I said, hey, you know what? It's not a big deal it's 20 bucks, I got a 20 minute lecture from him about the importance of money. So I think the reason why you get to that point is because you respect each dollar very, very differently than some of us don't.
1: Yeah, and I again, I preface that, I think that's probably true. I I believe that's true. I know a couple of billionaires um, and I know a couple of people that are close to billionaires Don't know them all like they're my best friends, but I had conversations with them. And the one observation I have made uh, is they don't throw their money around, that they are very wise with their money. So I, I could say there's a lot of truth to that.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Hey, let's transition really quick to the NFL. And even though I hate them, the, uh, well, I shouldn't say hate, hate's a bad word. Um, Even though I do not like the 49ers, how do you see this playing out? I mean, we already had reports out at training camp where, you know, Trey Lance threw, uh, he was only six for 14 today on the first day. Like what, what are the Niners going to do at this point with Jimmy G and Trey? Uh, Obviously Trey's the starter, but what do they do with Jimmy J? Kyle Kyle, Kyle,
1: Kyle Kyle Shanahan came out two days ago and said it's Trey Lance's team. He's our starting quarterback. And that's just the way it is. Personally, I don't think the 49ers are going to make the playoffs this year. I don't think Trey Lance is going to succeed in his first year enough to make the playoffs. I also think their offensive line is a problem. Uh, I don't really care what a quarterback does in practice. I, I don't care. I don't care if they're, you know, zero for 50 or 50 for 50. You know, the reality is that we're going to judge Trey Lance by what he does starting week one and week two and week three. And he's going to get an opportunity to succeed. I also think in trying to forecast the way he plays, personally, I think he's going to have difficulty staying healthy. I think that's a concern as well. Uh, he has a brilliant offensive mind working with him every day and Kyle Shanahan. But I do not think the 49ers are going to be a playoff team this year. And I said that back in the spring, and I'm saying it today as we wrap up the last week of July.
2: But Grant, do you think, I think it's either 23 or $25 million, do not quote me, on Jimmy G's contract. Do you think That's that correct. is a good insurance policy for a player that is unproven at this point?
1: I do, but I don't think they're going to go with that insurance policy until Trey Lance would fall flat on his face. And by then, to me, it would probably be too late to make up enough ground uh, to be a playoff team. I think the insurance policy is Trey Lance getting hurt more than his ineffectiveness at quarterback. Because I think the 49ers have made it very clear that's who they've invested in. He's the quarterback. And they're going to let him go quite a distance before making any change. And Garoppolo, to me, would get onto the field probably based on an injury. More so than the ineffectiveness of Trey Lance.
2: I would agree with you that about him coming on only due to injury, but you know, I, I don't know any other backup quarterback in the league that's paid twenty five million. Or that's correct. Or there, aren't. There, there, there aren't. There aren't. But um, you know, there's not a lot to be confident in with what you've seen from Trey so far. I mean, obviously the coaches and the players, they see something different. So we don't see practice every day, but what do you think, and this will be my last question. So everybody else can hop on. What do you think the best formula is for a quarterback coming in? Is it sitting a couple of years behind a salted veteran that is literally somebody that can teach you everything. Let's look at the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre formula and look at it how Aaron f- panned out. You see a huge difference with players that come in or quarterbacks that come in that get thrown on the field as rookies right off the bat. And it ends their careers basically, or it shortens their careers. So uh, what do you think the best method is when you take a quarterback that high in the draft
1: in the past years ago it was an aberration when a rookie quarterback came in and started okay and had success they might start but they never had success the only one that i can think of uh from the past that had success as a rookie was dan marino and ben roethlisberger also you know in his rookie season but ben really was not that good in his rookie season. Dan Marino was really good. I think the best formula is for a quarterback to watch the first year. I would think that is most of the time the best case scenario. But because of the rookie salary scale now in the NFL and the fact that a lot of college quarterbacks that come into the NFL are more pro-ready than they were before, and in the case of San Francisco, You know, you said that the coaches see something in him, and I'm not really sure that that is the truth, okay? I don't think the 49ers have a choice right now. I think the 49ers giving up three first-round picks a year ago, giving up so much to move up into the draft so they could take Trey Lance, pretty much puts them in a situation where they don't have a choice, all right? They have to pray and hope that Lance is going to figure it out and be effective on the field. So I believe that's where we're at with San Francisco. I personally would love a rookie quarterback like Patrick Mahomes to watch Alex Smith for a year. You talked about Aaron Rodgers, but there have been cases in the in this modern era of the National Football League. Joe Burrow came in and before he tore his ACL was having a very good rookie season. Russell uh, Wilson. Justin Her- Russell Wilson. Justin Herbert, right? When he got thrown in after week six or seven. Very good. So there are are examples of quarterbacks having success now as rookies. So I think a lot depends on your team. I think a lot depends on your offensive line. And a lot depends, obviously, on the individual. I would say if I had to prioritize what's the most important thing, I would say offensive line. If I have a good offensive line, I'm probably going to be more apt to put my quarterback in early, as opposed to having a bad offensive line. If my team has a bad offensive line and I have a rookie quarterback, I probably would rather them wait until at least their second year to step onto the field.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with you. 100%. Um, you know, I, I just, I feel like when we look at, and you and I talked about this, it was either earlier this week or last week, we talked about the generation of quarterbacks and whether this was the best generation we've seen. And the majority of them have sat for one or two or three years and they had good offensive lines. Tom Brady, that was a fluke that he came in for Drew Bledsoe because of an injury, right? Uh, Same with
1: Kurt Warner. Kurt yeah, Warner came yeah. in in preseason because of Trent Green tearing up his knee. And had that not happened, we may never have heard of Kurt Warner.
2: Absolutely. So I, I for whatever reason, I feel like that is the formula. Uh, these guys, and I know and we talked about the offenses in college and more spread offense and what the NFL is running right now, where most fr- franchises are running, um, you know, to me, that is the proven formula. I, I feel like you are putting your rookie quarterback, whether it is the number one pick or the, you know, number 63 pick in jeopardy without giving them some type of, I mean, Grant, did you not get training at your first job? You know, it, it, it's it, it's a different job, whether they've been doing something similar to that before. The NFL is a different animal. So I, I am completely with you, but I think that they need to sit for a little bit, learn, and it, it, can you name, other than Justin Herbert, another quarterback in the last few years that's come in right off the bat and actually just blown it up. Russell Wilson did a great job. He wasn't expected to start. Mahomes, um, I know he came in. I think it was partway through the season. It, it That's the formula. So it, that's a tough position for these guys. And I feel bad for them, quite frankly, because you've got a locker room of 52 veterans, uh, minus the rookies, that have played the game for a long time. And I think there is something to having the knowledge, you know, Aaron Rodgers, like we talked about, you know, he learned from Brett and Brett did the right thing. So I, it's it's an interesting conversation. And it, it's one of those things where if I was a rookie quarterback and I was the number one pick, do I want to sit for a year? Obviously I want to be on the field, but I'm also looking at one, the long-term success of the team, in my long-term future as well.
1: Well, NFL teams now are under such pressure for their rookie quarterbacks to get good fast because of the rookie salary scale because they need to have success before the quarterback like Kyler Murray becomes, or or Deshaun Watson become $230 million men uh, because then that really uh, makes your managing of the salary cap so much more difficult. I mean, you know, when the Chiefs had great success with Patrick Mahomes, they had great success with Mahomes when he was making a rookie salary, which enabled them to go out and do so many other things with their team. And that's why the Chiefs had that great success with Mahomes. And I'm not saying they haven't had success since, but the point is they were able to spend their money elsewhere to help out, you know, positions of need. So again, it, it, it I, I don't know if it. you can make a blanket statement for every team with every quarterback. Some guys are special and – coaches see that and they give him the keys to the car and they do all right Joe Burrow is another example Joe Burrow was having a really right. good rookie season before he tore his ACL so you know was and then what happened the next year he took him to the Super Bowl right. so I'm I'm looking at Burrow in that situation the Cincinnati Bengals made the right decision they got him experience yeah he got hurt but then he bounced back and they were Super Bowl teams so you know again each situation is different
2: it is. So do you think that's where the Niners are at? They're not evaluating who the best quarterback for the team is right now. They're evaluating, hey, we have this much time before we have to figure out whether Trey Lance yes. is going. Okay.
1: Yeah. If, if you if you had Kyle Shanahan in a room with no microphones and no cameras, and he knew that what he told you would never, ever, ever leave the walls of that room, It would not surprise me if he said, yeah, I think our best chance to win this year is with Jimmy Garoppolo. But they don't have a choice.
2: Well, yeah, not when you move up to three. (laughs) That's right. Yep. All right, brother. Uh, Thank you so much for the time. Have a great day. Looking forward to the uh, podcast with Nando tomorrow. And uh, have a good one. All
1: right. Take care, buddy. See you. You Good stuff right there from Ryan and uh, Sacktown.
0: the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes Ch-ch-chumba. chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary Void we're prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
1: hey if you want to get on all you got to do is uh, raise your hand and uh, we will do that we'll put you uh, right on yeah nando diaz i talked about you know what he's been able to accomplish Uh, doing his podcast, and I think his podcast is doing really well, and he's going to be on the podcast tomorrow. We'll talk to him about, you know, what made him start doing this and some of the growing pains to get to this point. He's got a real nice following now, and I think he does a great job talking about uh, Miami sports. I I did ask him, and I'll ask him again, you you know, a kid that, you know, I shouldn't call him a kid, but, you know, living in New Jersey with all the New York sports and What has he done? I said it's so. What's he doing? Rooting for all the Miami teams, but no. In all seriousness, and I told Ryan this. I think one of the keys, if you're going to start and go from, you know, and he's got another full time job and he's doing this, you know, extra, have a niche, right? He has a niche. It's Miami sports. You know, it's Miami, the Miami Hurricanes, it's the Dolphins, it's the Heat. I, I don't know why he spends any time with the Marlins, but that's okay. That's what he does, and his podcast is about Miami sports. And I think that's great. And I always tell people, if you can have a niche, okay, you're going to have a better opportunity to garner an audience because they know what your brand is. What's your brand? What's your brand? What is it that you bring to the table? So that if I listen to you, I pretty much know what I'm going to get on a regular basis. His brand is Miami sports. So that's coming up. On the podcast tomorrow. All right. Hey, if you want to get in on the show today, just raise your hand. We'll put you right up on stage with me. All right. It's that simple. And we're going to say hello and welcome in Jay to the show. Hey, Jay, how are you?
0: Good, Grant. How you doing, bud? I'm good, Jay. Excellent. Hey, you know, I've been as an aside, I've been following Nando since you had that rant off. What was that? Over a year ago, I think that was. Yes, and correct. Uh, yes, it was. I, and I don't remember who the other, who the other fellow was, but they're both pretty good. But, you know, you could tell Nando had something special. And, uh, uh, yeah, so I, so I check out his podcast now. And, again, you know, I'm not a huge uh, My, Miami fan, but um, I like the uniqueness of, of his approach. He does a good job, and uh, I think you've done a good job uh, mentoring him. And uh, I, I suspicion that Ryan's going to probably have uh, some, of the, some of the same success that uh, Nando has, some committed guys that, you know, Bring takes and and viewpoints that um, are fun to listen to. Uh, you know they, they they both do they both do a good job. So yeah, looking forward to that podcast tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah. Hey. You yeah, know the I'm, one thing,
1: Jay. Jay, I'll just say one thing about uh, just a follow up. There are now thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are doing podcasts, and we all now are listening to podcasts based on our interest. But if you can have a brand. Like Nando does, where he's like, "Okay, my podcast is only on Miami sports." You know, then then I I think he's got a chance to succeed, and that's why I think he is. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go to yeah, where no, you were at.
0: No, hundred percent. You know, the other thing too is that I I think has changed over the last ten years, and for sure the last two years is that um, you know sports talk radio. Uh, you know, it, it used you know it used to be pretty darn good, and um, it's it's just it's just terrible you know there's there's a couple of shows that come out of the bay area that are decent you know i, I like tom tolbert but you know there's um it, it's a tough listen and so having the option of it's just as easy when you're in your in the car to pop on a podcast as it is the radio yep. and and get yep. good content you know and not have to listen to the dribble and the you know the the garbage and the political undertones of sport uh, on a sports show <laughs> you know so yeah no, all all of those things are are, are good and you're 100 percent right create that niche and um, then it's just a matter of being able to let folks know you're there you know and and uh, connecting up with, with yourself and um, other folks that are that uh, already have a good audience set you know you guys kind of bounce off of each other and and it's a and it's a win-win you know uh, the rising tide lifts all boats, type thing.
1: Amen. Well said, Jay. I think you're spot yeah. on with that. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, with the, with the Niners, you know, um, you know Lynch and Shanahan, you know, they, they they haven't been perfect in 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 what they've done over the years, but you know they've been pretty darn good. So when they when when they haven't been injury riddled, they're right. They're right there. And um, so it'll be interesting to see you know, is this a, is this a, a pressure, is this a, all a pressure move because of where they drafted Lance or, you know, is there some, uh, you know, decent rationale to, to having his success? You know, it, w- it would be interesting to know that because th- those guys aren't dumb. And, you know, like you said, uh, NFL football is a, is a bottom line business win and win now, you know, you don't, you don't see very many teams that are going to go the tank route, um, for the most part in the NFL, like you might in, in, in NBA. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to, to, to think that, but I do agree with you. I think that if, uh, if we got, uh, Shanahan in a, in a room without a microphone, he would probably say, yeah, you know, until Jimmy, until Jimmy DG's not the guy, he's the guy, um. But uh, but it'd be interesting to think what what they what they really think behind the yep. scenes with with a win now thing. I guess, and, and we'll find out. We'll see what happens.
1: That's know, right. We, uh, and and listen, we, we we may be uh, two years from now or three years from now having a conversation talking about what a genius John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are and how they were right the whole time. And, you know, they they went and stuck with their uh, beliefs and in Lance. And, you know, so we'll see. That's why you play the games. That's why you yeah. play the games.
0: Exactly. All right, man. Have a good evening.
1: Hey, take care, Jay. Good hearing from you, all right? You too. Sounds good. All right, we are gonna to get to uh, Brian next, right here on Listen Up. Hey, Brian, how are you?
3: Hey, Grant, I'm well. How are you today, man? I'm good, man. What's happening? Oh, just enjoying the show lately. A couple topics. Uh, what I've heard too, you know, the Niners, John and Kyle, it sounds like Jimmy's been a consummate professional dealing with this. I I was yes, reading that- Yes, he has supporting uh, Lance and Lance came out and was commenting how how much of a great teammate he's been going into this season knowing the, the awkwardness of it all. So, you know, a lot of a lot of people dog on Jimmy, especially national uh, sports media. They got the I think it's unfair, um, you know, between what he's done for the Niners and how he's handling this. Uh, obviously, he'd be traded and moved on to different teams, but it is what it is. And, and this could be a real bad situation. If Jimmy was handling it much different, just, just your thoughts yep. on that.
1: I think you're spot on. Uh, Garoppolo has been a consummate professional in how he's handled this. I think you make a great point. I think you're spot on. I think there's a lot of truth to that. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of professional athletes can look at Garoppolo and say, you know, that that's the way to handle it. That's the way, to be a consummate professional. So yeah, I think you make a very good point with that. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, lastly on that topic, do you think internally the Niners are just crossing their fingers hoping, not hoping, but the reality of the NFL, somebody's gonna get hurt in preseason and then they can make a decision to trade. Uh, If that does not happen by a certain point in the season, do you think at that point they'll cut them or does that do them no, no, uh, uh, no, no good in terms of cutting them mid season?
1: I don't think he's going to be on the roster week one. I've said that. I still am going to stick to that. I think he will be uh, off the team. I think he'll be elsewhere uh, by the start of the season. So we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but it's a great question.
3: Yeah, yeah. And then switching gears, you know, you mentioned on podcasters. Great hearing from you, buddy. Really appreciate
1: that. And uh, we'll wrap up the show today. I hope that you have a great rest of the day. Tomorrow, we'll wrap up the week at 5 o'clock Pacific. 5 o'clock Pacific tomorrow. Make it a good one, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Thursday's edition of Listen Out.